Well, it's good to see each of you this morning, and uh, summer is upon us, and, uh, uh, but Vacation Bible School is one of those exciting times in the life of the church, and uh, I'm glad to see each of you. One of the things I enjoy doing sometimes when traveling is looking at different types of churches, sometimes architecturally, sometimes just the state that the church is in. And, and I even sometimes collect some when I'm online and I might discover a church that looks unique. But you know, sometimes you can almost play a game as you're traveling through, through the town. If you don't look at the signs and you just see a church appear on the horizon, sometimes there's a game of, in the sense of, well, is that a Baptist church? Is it a Catholic church? Is it a, you know, what, what kind is it? You know, because in earlier years, Churches, well, if, if you were a Baptist church, what is the traditional model of a Baptist church? Right here. Right here. <laughs> Steeple, red bricks, columns. Right. That was the traditional Baptist church. You saw that most of the time. It was Baptist. All right. You know, and then, you know, if it was Methodist, it had a little design. You know, if it was Church of God, it would have another type. You know, if it was Presbyterian, oh, they love stained glass. You know, they, they, you know, and, and, and the different ones, and, and, and it was always kind of fun. And, and, and also, when you come across a church and you kind of look at it, you say, man, if they didn't have a sign, I wouldn't even have known that was a church, you know. Uh, you wonder if they bought a bank building and, and moved in it. You know, it just kind of, you wasn't really sure. And nowadays, that, that does happen. But what does a church look like? Some people, if I asked you to draw a church this morning, you most likely would draw some something like this because this is what you're used to. This is what you grew up. You would have a steeple, it'd have a, a shaped roof, an A-shaped roof, and you know, and, and think, but what if I asked you the question this morning, what does a biblical church look like? A biblical church. Now that might make you stop and think, wow, a biblical church. What does that look like? Well, in the Bible, we find in the book of Acts the story about the church in Antioch. And the, in, the, in, the church in Antioch was filled, the scripture refers to it as, they were filled with real Christians. Now, that, you know, that makes me sound real Christians, you know, instead of what? You know, uh, you know uh, they were filled with real Christians. And so today... Do any of you enjoy looking in a mirror? Why do you look in a mirror? Is it, is it something you look forward to, to look in the mirror and see how you are? You look at it to say, well, I'm going to have to do this, or I'm going to have to do that, or, you know, it, it, so you don't leave the house looking maybe what? <laughs> Rough, Okay. And so, you know, we look in the mirror. Well, if we looked at the church of Antioch and we looked, used it as a mirror, <clears throat> and we used it as a mirror, and we look at that, how would we be as a church today? You know, the outward appearances of churches have changed in 2,000 years. The church of Antioch and, 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 you know, they didn't meet in a red brick building with a steeple. Uh, uh, but churches have changed. This morning, I, I, I want us to see, 
By looking at the church in Antioch, excuse me, what does a biblical church look like? And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Spilled water all over me. Thought I was doing baptism or something. All right, all my English friends, we have a lot of challenges in this scripture, okay? Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. In the church there was at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, which, which, not Lucius, but close to it. The Cyrenian, Manon, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, and as they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they came to Seclusia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed God's message in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. When they had gone through the whole island as far as, as, far as Patmos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Securius, Securius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man summoned Barabbas and Saul and desired to hear God's message. But Elmaeus, the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at the sorcerer and said, You son of the devil, full of all deceit and all fraud, enemy and of all righteous, won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You're going to be blind, and you will not see the sun for a time. Suddenly a mist and darkness fell on him, and they went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul, seeing what had happened, believed and was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. One of the fascinating things about this passage of Scripture that we find is the early church in Antioch. The early church in Antioch is an example to us in what a biblical church should look like. I think every church in America needs to stop at times and reflect upon itself. Are we a biblical church? As I shared in the first service, every church is filled with talented people. And we have been blessed, this church has, with talented people. But at the same time, we have to be careful that we're not just relying upon our talent, but that we are relying upon the Holy Spirit of God. Because that is what's going to make a church a biblical church, one who is dependent, one who is looking, one who is allowing the Spirit of God to move. Now, one of the characteristics of the early church at Antioch was that that, that that church was a selfless church. In other words, they thought of others than themselves. They thought of those who had not heard the gospel. 
They had thought about those who, who needed the gospel, and they wasn't really focused upon themselves. A lot of churches in America today, we're the complete opposite. We're completely selfish in many ways. We focus upon self. We focus upon our comforts. We focus upon me and what we think we need at that moment. And that takes us away from where God wants us to be. He, it takes us away. And it really, it really does matter where we are thinking in the sense of, are we thinking of self or are we thinking of others? When we have a thought of thinking for others, our entire perspective changes. This early church was realizing the importance of the gospel. Now, we're going to get to this in just a moment. But another exciting thing and another thing to, to, to read in this passage and to understand, this is where they began preaching to the Gentiles. Guys, that means we got included. That's why it is so important because they were those who would say, oh, no, don't, don't, don't preach to those people. You see, that's why the early church, they wasn't concerned whose people were. Well, those are, you know, those people. No, we can't do that. You think of Southern Baptist history, and I bring that up because this week is the, is the week of our Southern Baptist Convention. But you think of the Southern Baptist Convention established in 1845 and say that we were not racist, we're fooling ourselves. Southern Baptist Convention was very racist in its beginning, and it still has some lingering of that even today, where we didn't think the gospel should be taught, or someone else should teach them because we don't want them with us. You see, one of the bold things about the church in Antioch is that they didn't care who the person was, they just preached the gospel. And people started to get saved. Another thing about the early church that we find, not just with the church in Antioch, but as you read through the book of Acts, is that the churches had an outward focus instead of a weak focus. And we need to see that today. We need to have an outward focus. We don't need to just look within. We need to see that, that... the presence of God is so important. And, 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 and in the early church, the presence of God was something that they just knew would be there. And in our churches today, I wonder if there's an absence of the presence of God. And then the power of God. In the early church was a normal thing, but in our churches today, the power of God sometimes seems to be rare. Why? Well, as we look at this passage of Scripture, there's a couple things I, I want to pull out of this as we, as we look at this together. Number one, a biblical church is one who practices spiritual discipline. Now, I know sometimes when you think of spiritual discipline, you think, oh, well, we're going to discipline the members. Well, I'm going to take this a, a, a little bit different direction. If you go back to chapter 13 and go back to verse 1, it says, in the church that was Antioch, What were they? There were prophets and there were teachers. There were prophets and there were teachers. One of the things about a biblical church is that there are teachers of the gospel. Now, I haven't mentioned this to you, but in your bulletin, when you got it this morning, there was one of your favorite documents inside. It's your leadership survey for the new year. Out of the 185 people that come on a Sunday morning, 
we might get 30 of those back from y'all. Now, as you look at that, there are teaching positions and committee positions and all those different things. But do you know that every one of you in this room today is a teacher? You're teaching right now. You were teaching this morning. You're going to be teaching as you go home. You're teaching something. You're either teaching a positive witness about Jesus Christ, or people are saying, whew, you're teaching something else. You see, as we look at this, one of the strong things of the church was that there were prophets and there were teachers. They were in the church and they were sharing the gospel. They were living the Word of God. In our churches today, you know, it, sometimes <laughs> preachers have caught holy blank if somebody's name got list, misplaced off of a committee. Well, I've been on that committee for 31 years. How did you leave my name off? Guys, is that the most important thing? What is the most important thing? The most important thing is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? When you go to work tomorrow, you're sharing something. You're either sharing Jesus Christ or you're sharing of the world. Whatever. Every one of us is going to be sharing something. Are we living the word of God? We've got to ask ourselves that. In 2 Timothy, we're reminded as teachers that we need to be reproof that we need to be able to be corrected and have training and that we are true worshipers and that we desire to experience God. Do we truly desire to experience the living God? A lot of times we say, okay, yeah, I'll take some on Sundays, but look, I'm busy during the rest of the week. Well, I don't know about you. The rest of the week is when we need God the most. Of all the things that are confronting us, that's when we need God the most. We need to be a church that practices spiritual disciplines by understanding the importance of teaching, by understanding of living the Word of God, to be a true worshiper, by experiencing God in our lives. Now, another thing it mentioned, when they were sent out, they fasted. Now, I know there's a lot of talk about fasting. Fasting is scriptural. And fasting for the right reasons, most definitely. Now, I'm not saying we all have to go on a fast. But you know what? Sometimes that is something we need to do in the sense of if we're serious about what God has called us to do, to see that. But another strength or another reason of a biblical church is that a biblical church fulfills its mission. It fulfills a biblical mission. As you, as you look there in verse 2, it talked about them about fasting, and then it talked about the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me. You know, their biblical mission was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Go down to verse 19. Acts chapter 11, go down to verse 19. It says, those who had been scattered... As a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen, made their way as far as Phrygia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the message to no one except the Jews. Now, note two things here. 
You know, it's kind of like if we're say, if tomorrow night is going to be a night of visitationing and witnessing, typically in a Baptist church, there's not going to be many people come. Okay? I mean, typically. Okay? But here they were sharing the gospel where? They were sharing the gospel in these different places. One of the reasons was... <laughs> They've been persecuted. They got kicked out. They were forced. In other words, they better spread the good news where they were going because they had no place to go. And so they scattered the word. We need to see today the importance of of practicing and, and fulfilling the biblical mission of this world. And so we find that Stephen, they made their way. Verse 20, but there were some of them. As you look at that, as they they came and they were speaking and they spoke to the Hellenistic. In other words, they wasn't speaking to Jews. They were, uh uh-oh, they were speaking to the wrong kind. They were speaking eventually to Gentiles. You see, we need to take the word. Now, who gets the word of God? Everyone should get the word of God. Does it matter what they wear? Does it matter how they smell? Does it matter what side of the tracks they're on? Does it matter if we don't know them? We should share the gospel to everyone. Our biblical mission should be directed by the Holy Spirit. And if it says go and minister to those people over there, we should. Right now in Guatemala, some of you had heard of the, of the volcano that erupted. And uh, there was a mission team in in Guatemala from the Florida Baptist Children's Home, and the, and they were completely safe. They were uh, far enough away. And um, but right now, the Florida Baptist Children's Home is is collecting items to help people in that land. And someone always said, "Well, why are you helping over there?" Well, that's where the need is right this minute. The people that have been taken from their homes and 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 the. Many of those families struggle as it is on a good day to provide food. On a good day to provide the necessary things. But now this? And so our children's home is collecting, what, diapers and, and gloves to help clean and, and things like that. And, and during Bible school this week, we're going to be telling the kids about that and supporting that. You see, we've got to go where the people are and where the need is. We need to, be, need to be willing. We need to fulfill our biblical mission because that's where God has set us. What is our biblical mission? Well, our own town of LaBelle. Some of us, some of you have lived here all your life, right? Some of you have been born and raised here. Some of you have been here a while. But what about our town? Does it still need Jesus? Oh, Yes. It still needs Jesus. And we need to see the importance that if we're going to be a biblical church, we need to go about our mission. We need to be those ambassadors. We need to, to be sharing Jesus Christ with others. We've been sent on a mission. Jesus said unto them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. God has given us a mission to preach the gospel. You know, when you're at work... And sometimes the conversation talks about God or the conversation talks about church. I want you to know something. That didn't just happen. God is opening a door for you. God is opening a door for you. And the the question is, are we going to walk through it? 
Or are we going to worry about, well, I've got I to I I protect my reputation. I've got to protect things. Or are we going to be willing to say, you know, if this door opens, God has a reason. And I'm going to rely upon his spirit to show me. But then another thing that I want you to see. If we're going to be a biblical church, we also need to be faithful despite opposition. Back in the 13th chapter of the book of Acts, you find what was the opposition? They came across a sorcerer named Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus. And this sorcerer, well, that would kind of ruin your day, wouldn't it? You know, you get up and you're ready to do this and do that, and you've got that staring you in the face. Someone who says, I don't believe, I'm you know, a sorcerer. You know, it comes in all shapes and forms, doesn't it? Wasn't too long ago, <laughs> one Sunday night, terror came. I, I'm not saying he was of the devil, but there was a gentleman that I just went, there were so many things, so many things that just, but he was looking for help, but he didn't know what, a, what he really needed. And it, it, it's hard. It, it is hard. But, you know, sometimes you can let that defeat you. And and instead, you've got to say, you know, in the Christian faith, let me tell you something. There will always be opposition. There will always be opposition. We find here in this passage of Scripture, as Saul and Barnabas, and as the different ones, and and even Saul was, you know, he, 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 he didn't cut no. He said, you son of the devil, full of deceit and all fraud, enemy of righteousness, Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. Now Saul was speaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul said, no, 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 we're not playing this game. He put an end right there. And blindness came upon him. Not Saul, the sorcerer. Blindness came over. Guys, we, we need to see that the, even though there's going to be opposition, we need to stand for the Word of God. Is the Word of God something that we should stand up for? Yes! And we need to stand up for it. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. You see, guys, we can't give up. I think of Jeremiah that I talked about last week. Jeremiah was at the point, he said, Lord, I wish you would erase the day that I was born. But God didn't do that. Jeremiah kept on. There was others that sometimes said, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of this. But you know what? There's going to be a day we will reap what we've sowed. And oh, what a glorious day. You see, our churches today, we need to make sure that we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And let me tell you, if it's filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it won't become, oh, what's the word, humdrum. There'll be an excitement. There'll be an expectancy. We need to see today that we need to look at ourselves in the mirror. We do that sometimes because we force ourselves to look in the mirror, but we, we do it because we, well, I don't want people to laugh at me or, you know, people would say, what's wrong with you? But, you know, sometimes looking in the mirror makes us stop and to think. And maybe we need to look at the mirror of, of Antioch. 
And look at that church and how they allow the Holy Spirit of God. And when its leaders moved and went to different places, they sought God's help and they fasted and they prayed and they asked for the direction they needed to go. Church, we must always go back and look at our roots. We must go back and look at our roots and see that the early church had a boldness about it. And they were able to break down some walls that some thought never could be broken. You know what? Today, there's a lot of walls that need to be broken. Not by me, but by the church of Jesus Christ. And they can be if we follow him and worship him the way that we should. Let's pray. Mr. Christian 75, Lord, I just ask that you would guide us this morning. And Lord, that your word would continue to reach us. Reach us in a way, Lord, that would make us look in the mirror and see, Lord, sometimes we're not where we need to be. But, Lord, at the same time, you are a loving God, and I pray that you would show us, and, Lord, that we would listen as obedient children to move in the direction that we need to move. Lord, you have been good to us, and, Lord, we're thankful. And, Lord, I pray that we would look to you, and, Lord, that we would see in the early church I'm sure they were doubters, but they allow the Spirit of God to move. And others, as they heard the news of what was happening in Antioch, others came to see. Lord, I pray that we would see what you're doing in this world and that we would want to be part of it. Lord, I ask this in your Son's name. Amen.